Today's scripture comes from the book of Job, chapter 22, verses 3 through 11. What pleasure would it give the Almighty if you were righteous? What would he gain if your ways were blameless? Is it for your piety that he rebukes you and brings charges against you? Is not your wickedness great? Are not your sins endless? You demanded security from your relatives for no reason. You stripped people of their clothing, leaving them naked. You gave no water to the wary, and you withheld food from the hungry. Though you were a powerful man, owning land and honored man living on it, and you sent widows away empty-handed and broke the strength of the fatherless. That is why snares are all around you, why sudden peril terrifies you, why it is so dark you cannot see, and why a flood of water covers you. As we reflect on these words, let us embrace humility and seek divine guidance, acknowledging that true wisdom comes from understanding, our place in the grand design and recognizing the value of faith and trust in the Almighty. Amen. Good morning, Faith Westwood. Good morning. Good morning. For those on site as well as those are on, who are online, we have been adopting the phrase, let it flow in this latest sermon series. So how are you doing? Have you been able to let it flow? Now I want you to know that I had the most amazing week this past week. Last Sunday, several church family leaders were completing that retreat led by retired United Methodist pastor, Reverend Bruce Emmert, who led, this, led us in a strategic planning retreat focusing on the book of Acts and then creating a mission-focused mindset. Reiterating what the Thursday emails said, I want to follow up by sharing that the team wants to report to you that they engaged in open, honest, and at time intense conversations. They learn new things and they are encouraged by what they experienced. Now our consultant, Reverend Bruce, and the team believe that we are doing this strategic planning in this church from a place of strength. And this is a very faithful congregation, amen? And there is just something very special about this church that we want to share with future generations. Amen? So this team wants to be as transparent as possible on this journey. And we invite you to stay tuned to details that are shared in the Thursday pastor email, as well as in worship on Sundays. This strategic planning process is going to take one year. It's going to take about a year. This is being paid for with a grant that was offered to congregations in the Great Plains Annual Conference. We could have paid for this ourselves, but we seized an opportunity for the conference to join us in this process. And we're going to be identifying the mission field that God has called us to be serving. This is exciting stuff, and so again, stay tuned and watch for more details. But then, that was just Sunday. Then on Monday, I traveled to Colorado Springs, Colorado, to blue skies and mountains. It was good. And with several of my clergy colleagues, I participated in retreat number five of six, digging deeper into family systems theory. And so that's what I was doing over the week. Now, after all of these intense and learning and growing experiences, it's a joy to be with you today as we dig into the wisdom literature of the Bible. Today, Job is critiqued by Eliphaz and, and wrestles with his words concerning Job's righteousness. Can we be blameless if we do not care for others' needs? And what can we learn from the wisdom literature of Proverbs concerning water and how to best let it flow? So would you join me in prayer?
Almighty God, open our ears that we may hear your word, open our eyes that we may see your glory in our midst, and open our hearts that we might know your spirit's presence with us in these moments. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. There is a book that's called The Right Words at the Right Time, and in that book, former mayor Rudy Giuliani tells a story about a mother. She was the mother of a New York firefighter who had a heart attack while he was fighting a fire and later died. This wasn't the only tragedy that this mother had experienced, though. In the past 10 months previous to that, she lost her father as well as her husband. Her daughter's wedding was scheduled in a few weeks, and her relatives were encouraging her to postpone the date. Now, Mrs. Garumba insisted, we are going to go through with this. Now, Rudy Giuliani asked uh, her, because he was so amazed by what she did, he asked her, how do you deal with such horrible losses? Where do you get a strength and a focus? Mrs. Garumba responded, and I quote, When terrible things happen, I try to concentrate on the good parts of life and celebrate them even more than I had before, because life is a combination of great tragedy and great beauty. The mother then asked Mayor Giuliani to walk her daughter down the aisle, which he agreed to do so on September 16, 2001. Little did any of them know that one of the, great, the nation's greatest tragedies was going to occur on September 11th. While reeling from the events of that day, Mayor Giuliani remembered Mrs. Garumba's words that on any given day we may experience both the, the best and the worst of life. And it is important, in fact, it's crucial, in fact, to embrace the beautiful as we shoulder the terrible. Giuliani said that he saw so many deeds of, of bravery and compassion in those days that followed 9-11. And Giuliani did, in fact, walk Mrs. Grumba's daughter down the aisle for her wedding on September 16th. And he was thinking, in the space of a week, I had seen the worst that life can offer, this grim national calamity. But with God's good grace, I then lived to see the best part of life. A beautiful young couple, so much in love, looking forward to a life together. Mrs. Garumba was right. It was something to celebrate. Life is filled with tragedies, suffering, trials. And yet it's also filled with such beautiful and wonderful things. And certainly we, we learn and we grow from all of these experiences. Now, as we look at our focus passage, we're going to enter Job's story. He was deemed righteous and blameless when tragedy upon tragedy befell him. We know that God allowed the devil to test him, and Job lost everything. This is one of the foundational stories around the age-old question, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, Job's wife and friends encouraged him to do what? They encouraged him to curse God and die. Curse God and die. Versus maintaining his innocence and his righteousness. Eliphaz is one of those friends who is quick to point out in chapter 4, consider now who being innocent has ever perished. Were, where were the upright ever destroyed? And he insisted that, that those who plow evil and sow trouble will reap it. His voice is quite accusatory of Job. Our focus passage then comes from the third message of Eliphaz to Job. 
Now, his speech is almost humorous. His theology and message quickly unravels as he suggests that, that humans do not influence God. What would God receive if, if Job were righteous? God would not gain any pleasure from Job's righteousness, nor would God gain anything. And if Job was really filled with piety, why would he be so severely punished? His so-called friend says that, that Job's wickedness is great and his sins are endless. Eliphaz then comes at Job's issues from a different perspective. If Job's demise is not from his sins of commission, it might just be his sins of omission. Did Job, in his previous state of wealth and stature, really do all in his power to care for others? Hear these words of Eliphaz again. You demanded security from your relatives for no reason. You stripped people of their clothing, leaving them naked. You gave no water to the weary, and you withheld food from the hungry, though you were a powerful man owning land, an honored man living on it. You know, it's interesting that, that in the previous sections in the book of Job, when the friends are critiquing Job, they're using the third person. You know, well, people who are good don't experience this kind of trial and challenge. But notice that this is seriously an attack on Job's character. It's personal, isn't it? In addition, Eliphaz says that, that Job sent away widows. He did not help to strengthen the fatherless. And according to his argument, this is why Job must have suffered needlessly. Job's friends cannot possibly imagine that he did absolutely nothing to deserve his pain and suffering. In fact, Eliphaz says that Job's world is even darkened. He has a flood of water over him now because he refuses to admit what he has done or even what he has not done. Now for Job, this message is ridiculous. Job is frustrated, of course, with his situation, yet he's only going to question God, not blame him. And remember that, that throughout the book of Job, he maintains his innocence and his blameless character. He did nothing to deserve what he experienced, and his friends, including Eliphaz, are just wrong. Eliphaz's theology suggests that God causes everything, the bad and the good, and humans just must accept it. Bad theology. In addition, he suggests that part of the hurt in suffering is because God does not care. Job struggles. He even becomes depressed because of what he has experienced. Maybe you and I can relate to this as well. Because honestly, suffering is suffocating. At times, you may think that your problems and hurts are meaningless to God because if God cared, you wouldn't hurt so much, right? But allowing yourself to believe that there is one who deeply cares for you, it may be very difficult to do, but you can live into that hope. There may have been times that, that Job wanted to give up, Yet this hope, his hope, was always in his relationship with God. Your hope is in your relationship with God. I want you to go back and reread the end of Job, not right now, but later. 
reread the end of Job and remember that, that God and Job have an amazing dialogue. God reminds Job that there is no possible way that he can understand everything in the world because it's not for him to understand. I always remember those lines when God asked Job if he knew when the mountain goats gave birth. <laughs> Great lines. But God is God, and Job is not God. At the end of the story, Job's life and riches were restored, and the, the wisdom of his patience is what God's people remember and claim most today. Of course, we admit that there's a lot of interpretations about the book of Job. Is it simply a symbolic story written to engage in conversation about why bad things happen to good people? Or is it much more? Regardless of what you believe, Job is located in the context of the wisdom literature of the Bible. So you and I are invited to glean its wisdom and to learn from it. Now, while Job has a lot to teach us, we can also dive in to the wisdom literature of Proverbs, where we receive many deep and reflective sayings about water. Proverbs 18.4 says, The words of the mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a, like a rushing stream. Water is compared to words, and the value of making good choices with our words in terms of using our words to build up rather than to tear down. Wisdom then is a source of blessing and security. In fact, how can we gain wisdom and understanding except through moral reflection and careful thought? Proverbs 20 verse 5 says, The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. Understanding brings power to the wise. While one's motives may not be able to be seen easily, one who is wise will be able to bring them to the surface. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 25, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. Now, this is, we especially appreciate these words in the middle of a heat wave, but it's true that cold water soothes our weary souls, and good news always lifts our spirits. Proverbs 27:19 says as water reflects the face face so one's life reflects the heart. A person's behavior reflects his or her true self. And as human beings, what we do mirrors who we are. Now, looking into a pool of water, we may see our faces, the reflection of our faces, and our lives tru truly do reflect what is in our hearts. And so we have to ask ourselves, it, has sin infected our hearts or are we trying to live our lives pure and blameless? Water is a precious commodity, then and now. And those, those passages that utilize water images in such a way help us to better understand that commodity as well as helping us to understand ourselves. You and I can understand and claim the context in which Job and the Proverbs were written, yet we can also glean much wisdom from these words from a Christian perspective. While those words in Job 22 do not fully explain why, why bad things happen to good people, you and I can still hear the words that remind us the value in giving water to the weary 
And we can respond to the question, can we be blameless if we do not care for the needs of others? This connects with the words of Proverbs 25, verse 21. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. This is coupled with verse 22. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. This proverb reminds you to treat your enemy as you would want to be treated. Jesus himself emphasized the golden rule and the need to love your enemies, but this also meant caring for them and their, well, and their real felt needs. I believe that this sentiment even goes deeper for Christians when you are, and I are reminded of what Jesus said to his disciples when he talked about the sheep and the goats. Hear these words from Matthew 25, 37 through 40. Jesus says, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did, we, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now, several years ago, I learned a little song. Don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. But it goes like this. I don't want to be a goat, nope. I don't want to be a goat, nope. Because a goat ain't got no hope, nope. I don't want to be a goat, nope. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Pharisee. Because a Pharisee ain't fair, you see. I don't want to be a Pharisee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I don't want to be a Sadducee. Because a Sadducee is sad, you see. I don't want to be a Sadducee. I just want to be a sheep, bear. I just want to be a sheep, bear. Pray the Lord my soul to keep, bear. I just want to be a sheep, bear. Okay, we get the point, don't we? We don't want to be the goats who are unrighteous and ignore the needs of others. We don't want to be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who cared more about the letter of the law versus the spirit of the law and failed to take care of others and their needs. Instead, we want to be like sheep, sheep who are righteous, sheep who take care of one another. Now, sometimes it's easy for you and me to name the least of these in our world without realizing that it's not just about doing something for those that you and I would include on our lists. You and I are called to do these things always. And certainly you and I have to remember that we are not doing these things for ourselves or for our own glory. So I wonder what would it look like if we would add the words in the name of Jesus Christ to the list of these things that we do for others. For instance, in the name of Jesus Christ, I purchase food for the Faith Works Pantry. In the name of Jesus Christ, I give money to the mission offering. In the name of Jesus Christ, I call on a neighbor. In the name of Jesus Christ, I make good choices every day. Wisdom reminds us that God is God and you and I are not God, right? You and I do not have all the answers. We don't have to have those answers. You and I just need a willing spirit to look up, to see people, to really see people, to reach out and to do what we can. John Wesley would say it this way, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, 
in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. Again, life is filled with tragedies and sufferings and trials. Life is filled with friends who are a little judgy and sometimes brutal. Yet life is also filled with beautiful and wonderful things too, like water that flows. As you and I seek wisdom through these experiences, good, bad, and ugly, we can always let it flow. Amen. Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Creator, we come before you. We are your people. And there are times in our lives that we wrestle with those big questions of the faith like Job. Why do bad things happen to good people or at all? So God bless us as, as we are people who are seeking wisdom and learning opportunities in this new year. God, we, we pray for those who are new or newer to our church family and who are prayerfully considering becoming partners in our mission and ministry. Serving Jesus Christ and remembering that it's him that guides us and leads us to do these things. God, we pray for our church. We pray for our strategic planning team as we are identifying the mission field that God has called us to serve. May we join in this journey with our prayers, with our own wisdom and experience. May we share. And God, as we come before you, we pray this day for all who are grieving and hurting and suffering. God, we have church family members who are going through so much right now in their immediate family and beyond. So God, in those spaces where, where grace and mercy and love is needed, provide it. And God, help us all to be aware of the ways that we can come alongside those who need strength, who need hope, who just need a hug. God, we love you. We praise your holy name. So fill us with wisdom and knowledge and understanding that we may be your people in this very broken and dark world. Help us to shine the light as Jesus Christ himself shined the light and as he taught them a prayer, a family prayer that his disciples would join together saying to remind them of his love. May we join in that prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen.